0: is a free download from the BBC for more information go to bbc.co.uk slash podcasts Wait, don't
1: say anything funny yet
2: I'm not ready Uh, Well you won't be contributing to Um, the humour so
1: Wait, wait Uh, Wait, wait Okay, and begin
0: Hello, you're listening to the Ian Lee podcast which you downloaded for free Well done um, if you'd like to hear all the stuff that you've missed, well, you come to the right place because this is where we put all the stuff you've missed. Okay? Well, it might not be like stuff... this. It might and not... that. It might and a bit of this. They might have already heard it. It might
2: not be stuff they've missed. They, may... if they're listening to the show regularly, they won't have missed it.
0: If you didn't miss it, well done. You're going to hear something again, and it's going to be brilliant. Like
1: this. We shouldn't let her do that.
0: Again. No. And that.
2: And so. Certain...
1: And mostly this. I'm not playing clips there either.
2: Across
0: beds, hearts and
2: bucks. This is
3: BBC Three Counties Radio.
2: Matt from Luton is a regular caller. When he first started calling me a year ago, he hated me. Although I think his opinion has changed slightly. Well, regular listeners will know that uh, over the past few weeks, Matt's wife, Margaret, who lives in a care home, has well, she's been very, very poorly. And last week he gave us a call to let us know that things uh, weren't going particularly well. This week, he gave me a call to give me an update. Morning, Matt,
4: I, 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 I hear you've got some news for us. Yeah, Mum passed away this morning. About, uh, I think it's around about two o'clock, half two. Uh, she went very peacefully and all the girls are there. And Paul, Julie, Helen, Claire, they're here now because we, we, we waited and waited and Neville's come and picked her Body up and then we come back to the house, Margaret's home as I call her and uh, <clears throat> I said to him did I should I ring you in this morning and they said, yeah please ring you in so that we could you you're the one that you're close to to me, and we've had our differences me and you, but you've been very close to me in the last few weeks, and you know that feeling because of your mum that feeling i'm feeling now but you know what it's like and you could just have a few words with to to the girls and paul telling them how you feel for me
2: well matt i do i i, I do know i mean my dad passed away last year my mum's not very well but what you say that all the all the kids were with margaret when she passed we were all there you were there as well yeah we well were isn't our, isn't that a gift
4: Oh, God. Isn't that a gift? Yeah, yeah it was absolutely marvellous. And, and Julie was the last in, and she seemed to wait for Julie to come in.
2: Yeah, they know mm-hmm. sometimes. They do know.
4: Yes, I'm sure they do.
2: And she just slipped away, did she?
4: Just slipped away, no pain, just... Relief on her face. Well, listen, no no, no death is, uh,
2: it, it, it is particularly good, but if you're going to go, then go quietly with all of your family around you. Yeah, that's that's we something singing, to cling on to.
4: We are all singing her favourite songs, which I've told you before. But...
2: Which, which one? Well, we no, had, Not daytime uh, friends, nighttime lovers. <laughs> you weren't singing <laughs> that, were you?
4: <laughs> she loved Kenny Rogers, but uh, well, she had a uh, story of my life, Michael Holiday. That was one of her. Great songs. Story of
2: song. My Life, Michael Holiday.
4: Yeah, and, and of course, From a Jack to a King, that was her own song.
2: Who did From a Jack to a King, the Elvis Ned version? Miller. Eddie Miller?
4: Ned Miller.
2: Ned Miller, okay, so you're all singing that around well, her.
4: That- oh, yeah, Bobby Darren was another favourite. Things. Uh, Eighteen Yellow Roses was a real favourite of the family.
2: Eighteen yellow roses.
4: Bobby Darren. Yeah. Bobby Darren. Bobby
2: Darren's fantastic. Yeah. Well, it's it's marvellous that you are all there. How are oh, you? F- how are God. you feeling, Matt? It, have you had? Has I it had feel, time to sink in yet? I feel
4: very lonely. Yeah. Empty. But you see, I'm lucky. I've got all the kids around me. That's what's the most important part. And it's when they go now that will be the. As you know yourself, you've had that. With yeah. You're dead. Yeah. No-one knows until it happens to them. Yeah. You know, but I'm lucky I've got a great family.
2: Well, it sounds like you've got a fantastic family, and, and oh, the fact that they were all able yes, to come together... To be there. ...at yes. this important
4: moment is, um... You remember this time last week? Yeah. We didn't think she'd last... No. two hours. And she stood, and she's been so strong and firm, and, and we can believe the strength the woman has. Mm. She was always a great mum, but, uh, but she was so strong. She just waited for them all to be together. I, I, I'm sure of that now. You've got,
2: listen, Matt, there's a bit more sadness coming, as you know, because you've got the, the funeral and things yes, like that. Yes, yes. But you can all kind of start to move on now. And when I yes. say move on, I don't mean forget Margaret at all. You won't you'll never forget her, but you can all start to move on with your lives knowing that she's at
4: peace now. Yeah. And. Could you tell Jonathan also,
2: Yeah, I will let Jonathan know.
4: Because, you know, he
2: was uh, a great... I will let Jonathan know, don't worry. I will pass that on. And also, Matt, don't listen, you you give us a call any time you want. I will, yeah. Even if you're a bit lonely first thing in the morning.
4: Yeah. Don't you start... I'm going to go back to normal, Ian, giving you a bit of stick, I think. No,
2: you won't. I will not allow it. (laughs) You give me as much stick as you want. You've got your friends down the boozer as well who would like to give me a bit of stick. Yeah. Uh, Matt, Matt, do me a favour.
4: Yeah.
2: Go back into the room with all your kids...
4: Yeah. Give them a big
2: hug and tell them you love them.
4: Yes, yeah, they know that.
2: Go, they and, go and tell them now, because now is an important time for people to remember just how much they love each other, all right?
4: Yeah, yeah. OK. Matt. Cheers, Ian, thank n- you very much. Nice to
2: speak to you, and I'll be, we're all thinking of you and your family. Thank you. Very Lots much. of love. Cheers, we? Well, should we play a little song for Margaret? I think it would be appropriate, wouldn't it? From a jack to a king. Bald men are unhappy. That's a fact, isn't it, Kelly? Um... Here's the proof. Collins in Luton, Colin.
5: Bring back Dixon of got Green,
2: or Zed cars. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh dear. Now, Colin, that's me. Do you know? Do you know the name of this island where they only speak 18th no. century English?
5: No, I'll be. I'll be very honest with you. Until you said it just now, I had no idea it was there.
2: Catherine, Catherine, you're saying Tangier Islands. I've
0: just looked at it. I've looked it up, and it's, there seems to be one called Tangier Island. Is it Virginia? Would that be right?
2: I thought it was something like Saints I thought it was a Saint something, <laughs> like Saint Augustine or Saint Cramwell. Or St. Bramley, or something.
0: Something like that. Okay, I'll. Um, but
2: I don't know why. What, what have you got about Tangier Island?
0: Tangier Island, Virginia, has a small population with a unique English accent. The accent, which is known as Hoitoida, is similar to the English Restoration Era dialect. Hoitoida. John Smith was the first European settler on the island. John Smith, of course, of Pocahontas fame.
2: Oh, you're yeah, the Card Disney. Yeah. Where is this island? Virginia. What? America. Uh. No, hang on. What in America? Mm-hmm. Well, it's in America.
0: Well, it belongs to Virginia, I suppose. It's off Virginia. Let me oh. look further into this.
2: Okay, you you investigate further, Catherine. Yeah, interesting. N- n- yeah, there's an island. They speak 18th century English. Mm. I'd love to get a call from that island, or from someone pretending to be from that island.
5: <laughs> anyway, what do you want, fella? The real real reason I rang up, yes, was, Colin, um, about Baldies. Yes. I'm well. I'm. I started going bald in my late twenties.
2: Oh, mate, I'm so so sorry, no, Colin.
5: No, don't be. Oh, I just look at it this way. Yeah. I bought myself um, um, a, some of these clipper things. You know, the electric ones. And now I just go over it with uh, with with no sort of uh, extensions on it. What? And it saves me loads of money on on on, on shampoo and you know. Hang on, uh, oh
2: Colin, Colin, what's that noise I can hear? Oh, it's the sound of someone clutching at straws. No, no, no you, I all you can. Could- All you can say that's good about being bald is you save money on shampoo. Oh, mate. You miss the joy of standing under a warm shower first thing in the morning, lathering your head up, giving it a good scratch, and watching those bubbles as they float down down your back.
5: The flannel. And Bob's your uncle, it's done.
2: Colin, uh, listen, if they. Scientists have found an injection that will cure you.
5: No, I wouldn't. Yes, you would, no, mate. No, I would yes. not. No, no, no. Even if I had all the money in... It's free. Christmas. I'm going to you for, I'm gonna give it to you for free. No, okay? I wouldn't. I'm quite happy. But you're not, Colin. I <laughs> Don't try and twist No, me. I'm not trying to twist you. You're yes, twisting
2: you my melons, are. man. You talk so hip. You, if, inside, you know. When you dream, Colin, do you dream that you have hair? No. I don't believe you. No. I, no it's like um, the, the lame dream they can walk and blind people can see in their dreams. Colin in Luton dreams no. he has a full head of no, hair. What I would you go not. for? A La- you lie. What would you go for? Would you go for a Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen? Or would you go
5: for a Roger Daltrey Perm? No, I, none of those. Which, what would you go for then? I'm quite happy without any hair. Oh, Colin.
2: Well, listen, you keep on, you keep on saying that and maybe one day, maybe one day, you just might he believe just
5: it just think, in, in, in the summer when it's hot and sunny, my bald, pack, my bald head yes. goes a nice mahogany colour. The
2: thing is, Colin, think of all the money I'm saving on sun cream that I don't have to put on my I bald head. I don't use sun cream. Well, then you're a very foolish man. Get hair is God's protection from sunstroke. <laughs> Jane in Ellsbury. Morning, Jane.
6: Right. Um, I was going thin on top um, and I went to the doctor and said, oh, it's genetic. Oh. I wasn't happy with that. No. So I went to a health food shop Yes. and I, I also read through a book that if you, eat, if you have sea kelp, copper and zinc, what? you take these um, and your hair grows back and my hair is grow, growing back.
2: Permission to speak freely? Go on, I it. don't believe you. You don't believe I me. don't believe that works. What, you eat sea kelp, copper and zinc? Yes. And your hair it. grows back? Yes. Political reporter Paul Scoynes, have you ever heard anything like this?
7: There's loads of mumbo-jumbo out there about healthy, and that's
2: what I'm saying. But he's the political correspondent, Jane, and he would never get involved with, with these faddy hair-cure weight-loss things, would you, Paul? No. <laughs> I'm no need. No. I mean, the, the 5-2 diet's <laughs> not a fad, is it, Paul? I
6: promise you, my hairdresser has noticed I have got new hair growing. and well, I enough. Sorry. I
7: love no no, I'm just I'm, I'm saying that's great. That's that's I it's, it's is it any can can it be proven to be part of kelp? Do you do you think Is there any evidence for that?
6: Um let's put it this way. Um within weeks of me taking sea kelp copper and zinc, new hair started to grow back.
7: And were you did, did anything else change in your life at the time?
6: Um no, I, I'd had surgery, um, so I was stressed out from that. Ah. But, well,
7: but... were you less stressed after that surgery?
6: Yeah, yes, but um, the, the doctor still said it was genetic, something to do with my granddad, um, ah. and I wasn't happy with that. So I re- read through this book, and it does actually work. So if anybody's um, speculating about trying to use it, it's not... It's not worth um, giving out, uh, you know, if you have a go and it works, yeah. you know, why not?
2: Well, Jane, you, you withstood a very tough questioning from a gentleman who has um, interviewed not only Ed Miliband, but also also the Prime Minister. He's probed them and he, he beat them. He couldn't beat you, Jane. I couldn't. Well done, Jane. You've passed. You're through to the next round. We'll speak more on it later. <laughs> Paul Scoyne's uh, political reporter. Uh, you, you're a potholer. Well, I've done it once. Have you? Really? Yeah. It sounds awful. It's brilliant. Why is it brilliant? Sell it to me. Okay, well,
7: apart from the fact that it's terrifying in that way that makes you feel brilliant afterwards, uh, it, it is It is just quite extraordinary. I went to, it was years ago, uh, I went to somewhere in Wales, and I had to lower myself on a rope into this sinkhole, uh, like you were saying earlier on, Um, except uh, the sinkhole was about 40 foot deep. So first of all, that, you know, there's that moment of stepping over the edge, which is, you know, it's like something that Indiana Jones would do. Indiana Jones? Uh, Indiana Jones.
2: Is he related to Indiana Jones?
7: You might have seen his work.
2: Yes. Um, Did Did you have a big
7: hat and a whip? I didn't have a whip. No. Um, but but once you once you're underground, everything goes. You know your sense of smell is totally different. The, the, you know the, the level of dark is is you've not experienced anything as dark as that.
2: To be yes, you have to crawl through tiny cracks, though, and I? Yeah, with water, it's all
7: wet. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, there
2: no. was this
7: moment where, where we were in and we were having, and the 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 guide with us said, "Oh, you need to hold on to this." this rope, and there was a, a ledge with, uh, you know, with some rope, and um, we didn't know it was a ledge, of course. We were just holding onto the rope, and he, and, and he said, don't, don't step left. You probably probably don't want to do that. And we, but, but I should add that we'd had our lights switched off, so we were doing it in complete black.
2: Why would you he, do that? Like when, if someone in a dark tunnel says, hold this, and you, you can't <coughs> see anything, I'd be very suspicious.
7: I, I'd, I'd do what they said, to be yeah. honest. Uh, and and um, then, then we had to switch the lights on, and there was literally a bottomless drop.
8: Down there. <laughs> <laughs> it was ridiculous.
7: And then when we surfaced, honestly, I could smell everything. I could smell the the the, the soiling of your the trousers, trees, the, the soiling of my trousers, the grass Aren't on you? the floor, the floor. How much does this cost to do? I don't know. I, I, my,
2: my mum and dad saw it down. <laughs> there do you not think maybe they were try- trying to get rid of you or something? <laughs> uh, I'd not considered that. No, OK. Well, don't consider it too much or you'll, you'll go mad.
7: So uh, I'm going to book some for us now anyway. I'm just on the website, the British Caving Association. Do
2: you know what, Scoynes? Yeah? Book it. Do you want to do this? Book it. Do you want to do it?
7: Yeah, I want to do it.
2: I want to do it.
7: Shall I get in touch with the Gloucester call Society? Are they Greek? I think it might be. Yeah, they let, do nice coffters.
2: Yeah, let, uh, Let's do it. OK. All right. Yeah. I'm up for that. All right, fine. OK. Uh, 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 yeah, I'm in. Can, we, can we count it as work? Because I can probably claim it back then. No, no, yes, definitely. Fine. We can. We've got a nice... Book it. Seriously, I'm in. All right. We've got okay. a nice text about you, Paul. Really? Um, it's um, anonymous, so I don't know um, who it's from. Check the number. That's all. OK. Paul Scoings was on BBC One Look East last night. Is, yeah. this, is this correct?
7: It's true. Okay, I did. I, I did my live debut.
2: Oh, well done! How did you feel? Terrified. Good for you. I was totally if shocked. This is you seriously? It's not me. If this is you, do, do you need to get that? I don't have your home phone number. Yeah, but I kind of think you might. Well, I don't. You've got that sort of. Honestly, that's not me. <clears throat> Hello. Ah. It's you
7: indirectly, though, right? This has got to stop.
2: I was totally shocked. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just call that number randomly? As I always believed, he was an awful lot older by the sound of his voice. Uh. Very pleasant viewing. Be still, my beating heart. <laughs>
9: <laughs>
7: see, I'll get my comments from the cake.
2: <laughs> Thank you Paul. see you later right. Here's a self-contained little unit of laughs Morning Ian What do you got for me Gary? Oh, I was just
8: basically saying um, I just heard last of your conversation about potholing Oh yeah I just want to know if you want to hear a little story about potholing. I'd love to hear a
2: little. Do you know anyone who's got a story about potholing? Yeah,
8: me and oh, personally. Th- that's a coincidence. Let's have it. Yeah. Uh, basically, uh, we went and potholing once when I was younger in the school, right? Yeah. Down in Cheddar Gorge. Beautiful. And um, so while we was there, another school trip was there, and some some young lad, he actually fell down one of the um, potholes and cracked his hip. Oh, Oh, really? And the bloke, who was, uh, the bloke who took us, like, the, the member of staff, he was a qualified uh, mountain and caving rescuer. Yeah. So he went and gave him the hand, And I know he's gone for hours, but he actually made it on that 9-9 program. Oh. No, the 9 program years ago. Oh, with Michael actually, Burke? Uh, no, Alistair, was it Alistair. Alistair McGowan? Yeah, him. That's him, that's one, yeah. The Impressionist? No, 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 not McGowan. That's, no, Alistair, the other one.
2: that's Alistair McGowan.
8: No, um, he's also done police camera actions.
2: Oh, um, Alistair Campbell Alistair ah, Campbell, that's it, yeah The the, the um, former uh, Labour spin chief That's him Yeah, okay Yeah, yeah, he actually, actually made it on that programme Were you not terrified being on 999? That, no, I was on 999 oh. well, Hang on a second, but who was on 999? The,
8: the young lad from another school Who's actually done potholding the same time when we was there so, did you meet Alistair Sims? No, I didn't actually meet him. No, but I remember all the all the helicopters flying above us and all that lot. Yeah.
2: And so Alistair um, Alistair Campbell was on a helicopter. I'm really confused, guy. Alistair... No, no, no. He, Alistair Campbell
8: wasn't on the helicopter. He's done. He's done the program nine, 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 didn't he? Yes. And what I'm saying
2: is.
8: Or was it Alistair accident... Darling? No, not Alistair Darling. No. Alistair Campbell. He, he done. He done the uh, present. Um, he was the presenter of that program. Ali yeah? Campbell
2: the, from UB40. He was, and he was in a helicopter. And he re- well, he rescued the, the lead singer from UB40. No, he he did, rescued a lad with a no, broken he,
8: hip. No, no, he didn't rescue him. He was presenting the program nine nine nine. Alistair Cook. No, not Alistair Cook. He done police camera action. Yeah, that was Alistair Cook, I think, wasn't it? Alistair Cook, was it? Oh, it might have been then. Yeah, I know he got done once string drink driving. Yeah, himself. yeah, no, that wasn't
2: nice. No, that wasn't nice to cook. Was it? Uh, was it Fred Alistair?
8: Oh, he, I don't know. He the done dancer. the moves as well. The, he, he, did,
2: he did all the moves. Does that be the done, dancer, Fred Alistair? We, oh, he was married to Ginger Rogers. Might have been. I don't know. So I, let I don't me don't guess, know. G- lost me now, yeah. You've lost me, Gary. Let me let me focus on this for a second. You're telling me. When you were on a school trip, a lad fell down in a pothole and Ginger Rogers rescued him. No, he didn't rescue him. He used to do a programme called 999. No, he did um, Singing in the Rain, didn't he, And Top Hat and Tails. (laughs) Who are we talking about here? uh, I don't know,
8: his name's Alistair something. Fred Alistair. No, Alistair something. You don't please camera
2: action. Oh, we're all over the shop here. We're talking about Alistair McGowan, aren't we?
8: Alistair No, he's he's, he's an impressionist, isn't he? Not not him. Alistair
2: McCoyst. Alistair McCoyst, more. That was him. Ali McCoyst. No, he's a football player. No, no, no. You're thinking of Ali McCoyst. Ah, yeah, Alistair McCoyst. Then, yeah.
8: I swear, Brian, you was on the wind
2: up for a minute Uh, there. No, I'm not. I'm not on the wind-up, mate. I'm trying to get to the oh, bottom right. of this story. all oh, right right. OK. So, well, Ali, Ali McCoyst rescued a, a blind child who'd broken his no, hip. He, no, he didn't. He didn't rescue him. What's he got he to do with it, then? He's a footballer. No, not him. Not Ali McCoyst, the footballer. Alistair McCoyst. You just said Ali McCoyst. No, not Ali McCoyst. Alistair McCoyst. I don't think Ali McCoyst can fly a helicopter. No, I don't know if he can
8: fly a helicopter. I don't or not. know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'm trying to say is, Alistair,
2: whoever you... Alistair Alistair Alistair, McGowan. No, he's an impressioner, isn't he? No, you're thinking of Ali McCoyce, the footballer. No, I'm not. not. So, Ali... Alistair Sim... Alistair Sim...
8: No. I can't remember his name now. You've lost me here.
2: It's um, Mackenzie
8: somebody. Alistair Mackenzie.
2: That was it. The golf course designer.
8: No. No, 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 no. Was the kid all right in the end? Yeah, he, 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 he like, managed to get him out in the end, Yeah, but it took about four or six well, hours. I, I, think, well,
2: I think it is... We, we, listen, on a serious note, it really is good to applaud the, uh, the bravery of people like Fred Alistair and Ginger Rogers for saving kids like that from potholes. Thanks for bringing it to our attention.
8: <laughs> oh, God. They presented the programme.
2: <laughs> Albert
0: is from Enfield. He makes meat nappies. He also has some thoughts on
2: prenuptial agreements. He doesn't make meat nappies, he makes the meat wear nappies. Oh. Morning, Ian! Good morning. Well, I used to go busking in Enfield. I say that every time you call in. How is um, the meat, meat packing? It's all right, it's not bad. I'm still making a living. Good for you. Now, the prenups. Mylene Class uh, regrets not getting a prenuptial agreement made after her marriage ended after six months, costing her £1.8 million. Oh, that's a lot. It's a lot of money. Would you ever get one? Well, I've been involved
9: twice um, on both sides of the fence. I've been very unlucky in love. My, my first wife was very affluent, came from an affluent background. And, uh, an, father,
2: Afri- an African background?
9: And an African background. Right. She, was an, she, she was an African princess. Yep. And her father owned most of Bigglesway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the night before our wedding, she put all these papers in front of me that I had to sign, and I didn't know what I was signing, so yeah. I signed it anyway. Yeah. And sure enough, about six months later, unfortunately, she died in, a, in an unfortunate meat-grinding accident. But there was nothing left. Um, everything had gone, even a ring. And so I, I, lost, I lost everything. It oh. all went to the state. So I, I'd like to think that they spent it opening new abattoirs. Yes. But then after that, uh, luckily, I fell in love again with my current, my current wife. And I thought, well, I'm going to do it this time. So yep. I got her to sign a prenup. So I just thought, if we divorce, I don't want her to get her hands on me meat. That was basically my thinking. I've got a lot of stock, a lot of money tied up in it.
2: She's not getting me meat. I, I love her, but she's not getting that. How did you um, um, raise it? How did I raise me meat? No, how did you raise the subject of a prenup? I did it very delicately. Yeah. I got a drunk,
9: <laughs> and that that kind of helped. Really, she was half passed out, so I grabbed her hand with the pen in it. So technically, she signed it. And
2: how long have you been married, Albert? Oh, ages now. It must be what three years. Yeah, and and it's all it's going strong. You're you you're, you're all still happy in love. Well, since she's become an elective mute, it's going swimmingly. Okay, Albert, thank you very much indeed. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. Dun!
1: Dun!
2: Listen, I've told you this. I am big friends with Tony Mortimer.
0: Big friends? No, no, no. no, no. You tweet him.
2: What's a big friend? You tweet him. It's a different thing. I am a big friend of Tony Mortimer. And uh, in the week...
1: Does that mean you're fat? Stop it!
2: In the week, I promised I would get Tony Mortimer. Listen to me now promising I will get Tony Mortimer. This is that bit. This is
1: that bit, is it? OK. When's Tony Mortimer coming on?
2: OK, that is... Well, tomorrow. Really? Tomorrow we've got Andy from CBeebies that's coming not Tony on. Oh, Tony
1: that's different person.
2: Tomorrow we've got Andy from CBeebies coming on. I like him. OK. He's, Andy from CBeebies is coming on. Um, Tony Mortimer... I need, I, I've just not even replied to him on, on Twitter. That's how cool I am. Hello, two counties. That might be Tony Mortimer now. Is that Tony Mortimer? Not unless he's from Luton. Looking at the number. Kelly, is that Tony Mortimer? Is, Hold on
1: one second. is Joyce? What Ian, I'm on the phone to Joyce. It's not Tony Mortimer. Is that. Could you. It's Joyce and Lee Grave, not Tony Mortimer. Do us a
2: favour. What's up? Ask her to pretend to be Tony Mortimer when she oh, comes Joyce? on. From E17. Can I put you
1: through and you
2: pretend to be Tony Mortimer from E17? He's a band. I'll pop you straight through anyway. St- is Do Tony you... Mortimer
1: coming on? She's saying no. No, she's, no. She's on Fader 1, but she's just putting the radio off.
2: Okay. Tony Mortimer from E17! Tony? Joyce? To- Joyce? Back. Hello? Hello. Is that Tony Mortimer from E17? <laughs> you wish. Hey, Tony, <laughs> this a long time, mate. How are you doing, buddy? How are the other guys from the E17? This is Joyce here from Lee Grave.
1: Kelly? <laughs> Sorry, I thought it was Tony from E17. You've
2: typed on the screen Tony Mortimer from E17. <laughs> That's
1: what I thought. Is, is E17 near Lee Grave?
2: Can I call you, (laughs) Joyce, can I call you Tony?
6: (laughs) My son's name is Tony.
2: Beautiful, beautiful. So I'll call you Tony. What can I do for you, Tony?
6: No, I was ringing up to say, please, tomorrow morning, could you give us more time slots, e.g. quarter past seven, quarter past six, half past six. I was listening, and you made me late getting out of bed because you never gave me the times.
2: We're back to Kelly Brook again. Hang on a minute. I, I've given the time... It's funny you should say that, because I feel that I've given the time more today
6: than no, I normally do, Tony. No, I've had you on since six o'clock. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, I do appreciate it. Why please. don't
2: you... Have you Have you not got a clock?
6: I have, but it's so nice listening to your melodic voice.
2: Oh, but you are... Tony, you are a little flirt, <laughs> aren't you? You cheeky little monkey. Have a good day. It's 8.40. <laughs> Tony. Thank you, thank you very much. Great to speak to you, Tony. We'll speak to you again soon. Bye-bye. Take care. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Tony Mortimer from E17. Nice.
1: I really didn't believe that you guys were friends, but you've proved me wrong.
2: Wow! It's, it's one of my great pleasures in life, is proving you wrong.
1: When's the real Tony Mortimer? Oh, for goodness
2: sakes. That's just, that's just disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> you introduce it.
1: Ian, you say stuff wrong. No, I don't. February.
2: There's, a two, there's two R's in February. Furry. Furrory? Furrory. How do you say Ferrari?
1: Fury. Well,
2: that's fury. I'm talking about furrory.
1: <laughs> Ferrari?
2: You're looking at me in a very macabre way.
0: <laughs> anyway, the thing Richard and Windsor had a problem Milk. with was skellington.
1: Oh, yeah, say, say it. Say that word. What? Skeleton. Skellington? Mm-hmm.
5: <laughs> Cute. This is the BBC pronunciation unit here. Now, look, we've had several complaints what? about your poor pronunciation this morning. Go on. First of all, when you were reporting on Sochi, you were going on about Skellington. Yeah, the Skellington. No-I-N-G is skeleton. No. I get you to spell the word shortly. And I understand that you're pronouncing milk, as in milk, which is incorrect. Right. In February, it's you're not, not pronouncing that cor- correctly. Well, 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 well. Certainly, certainly beware of the ides of February. Listen, the, the, how? How many
2: how many R's are there in February? Not as many as you just said. I said two. No one pronounces the first R. Let's start with basics. Let's go back to Skellington. Oh, because oh. you've lost. Hang on a second. You've lost. You know you've lost the February argument, so you want to go on to Skellingtons? So where to you go? You've lost February. You've lost February. So let's let's no. move on to Skellingtons. Go. That, you're, don't bully me. He's bad enough you bullying your poor young lady assistants there. They're not, they're not that young Whoa. There you go, you see, that's the reaction you got there and you were trying to help them Don't help women I cool this morning. So listen, you, you lost February What's this about Skellingtons? Go on well, can you spell skeleton? Yeah, S-K-E-L-E-T-O-N. So why are you saying I-N-G in the middle of it? I'm not. If you listen very carefully, I'm not. Warn you beware S- the eyes of February? S-K-E-L-E-T-O-N spell skeleton.
5: Yeah, no, not I-N-G. You're saying I-N-G, skeleton.
2: Well, I'm not, because that's not how you spell it. People say onion or chimney or H.
6: It's Skeleton, Skeleton. It's not ske- it's Richard,
2: so so it's it's Skeleton. Richard, you don't pronounce it Skeleton. It's Who's a, You're thinking of Benetton. Pronunciation corporation. You're thinking of Benetton, the shop where they do the pictures of the, the sick people. I know my Benetton's from my jewellery. All right. Spell Benetton. Oof, why? Because, because you brought Benetton into it. Yeah, I didn't. You did. You said Skeleton. You brought Really bent on into it. I said skeleton. You, skeleton, you keep yes. Saying I'm not saying skellington, I'm saying skeleton. Sorry? Exactly. I had to accept your apology. Thank you. <laughs> now, Jonathan, yeah. you are a very talented young man. You have taught yourself how to play the pianola. <laughs> yes, I have indeed, Yeah. And you, you claim you can play anything. Just by listening you listen to it, you can sit down with a little bit of kind of working it out, you can play it. Well yesterday we yeah. set you a challenge, didn't we? You didn't can you play two pack, or as I like to call it, Bruce Hornsby and the Range. Could you play this? We played this to you. We're all miming it here now. Goes higher? That was the challenge, Jonathan. You've had uh, about 23 hours. Let's hear it. OK.
9: First thing is for us, my camera is a bit out of key. Oh, um, Oh, here we go. Hey, hang on. Secondly, uh, I spent about an hour doing it last night because I do have a daughter and stuff, so I do have a life. But here we go. This is what I managed to learn just from listening to
2: it, OK? OK. Um, you hear that OK. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. OK. Um, Sorry, I get a bit nervous. Ah. Don't, jo- Jonathan, Jonathan, calm down. Don't be nervous. Jonathan?
1: Would it help if I wrapped Tupac over it? No,
2: that would, that would make things worse. Jonathan, don't be nervous. We're all friends. He's made a right of here. Well, actually, that. he's doing pretty well, considering he doesn't read music. Catherine says you're doing very well. Don't be nervous, Jonathan. We're all friends here. Take a deep. Don't. Hey, listen. Don't apologize. You're being an excellent sport. Take a deep breath, close your eyes, and just feel the music.
5: (sighs) Ah, sorry.
2: Oh, There's we
9: a chorus. There's what? There's a chorus. Hang on. Oh, blind. Oh, me. he's taking
2: it right. to the chorus. It's just the way it is. I
1: wake up in the morning and I ask Some myself. Some things will never change. Where's,
2: where's what do you think about that? Hey, come on, Jonathan. I think you've been a cracking sport, and I think if you did that all by yourself, uh, do, you, do yeah. you live with people? I uh, got my fiance and my uh, daughter. Yeah. Well, I, I apologise to both of them profusely for inflicting I that upon know. them. But I think you did. I thought he was great. Wasn't was he? Really good. Really good. You're an excellent. The time I had,
9: I, I did my best.
2: <laughs> the former head teacher of a Buckinghamshire boys' school will be sentenced today for historic child sex offences. Roland Peter Wright was among a group of teachers who abused pupils at Caldercott School in the fifties and sixties. One of Wright's former colleagues, Hugh Henry, who was due to be sentenced today, committed suicide on Tuesday. Well, joining me now is Tom Perry from Amersham, who was one of the first people to report Roland Wright. Morning, Tom. Thanks very much for joining us this morning. Good morning, Aaron. Uh If I ask anything that's inappropriate... I'll let you know. So please do. Thank you. Uh, can you take us back? How old were you when, when this happened, and, and, and how did it, how
10: did it start? Um, well, I was eight when I um, started at the school and the abuse started when I was 12. It started because I was a rising star in the rugby team or in, the rugby, in, in rugby and within the school. And my aspiration was to become the captain of rugby because these boys who were captains were treated very differently. They were the stars of the school. We were effectively the school's marketing department and thus the rugby team was coached by Roland Peter Wright and uh as we now know um from the cases that have occurred many of these boys were abused including myself
2: and this this uh, how did it
10: start so did it start well let me explain um, mr wright was um very keen on um athletic sporting boys mm. and He was a very tactile man, and of course, touching even if it's a shoulder, even if it's a ruffle of a hair, even if it's a rub on the back of the neck, gradually it breaks down those thresholds, which we all have. And you get used to it. And boys were going in and out of his bedroom, and his bedroom was right next to the uh, senior boys' dormitory, senior boys being no older than 13 years. And um, we would be going in and out of his uh, room regularly, uh, unstopped. There was a there was a protocol to that. If you were in the sporting elite, you could do that. If you were anybody else, you certainly couldn't. Mm. There was no lock on the door. You knocked, walked in. That was it. And um, we were entertained. There were elements of home. There was a telly there. You know. I mean, I know this sounds really rather bizarre, but this was sort of all round about 1967. So there were little creature comforts and this is what i said to you about you know the boys who were part of the first 15 they were the elite and they had privileges and this was one of the privileges and we danced around him um it was quite extraordinary when i think about it now mm. but at the time it was utterly normalized and of course when you have all this tactile business going on it's only a very short step away from it going a lot further mm. and that's precisely what happened
2: and as uh, a, a boy, I going not say young man, but as a boy, yep. how did you feel? Did you appreciate the attention? Did you feel disgusted? What was going through no, your mind, or have you blocked no, that no.
10: out? It, this is this is uh, very simply. I mean, we, we were... How can I put this? I'm trying to put this gently and politely for mm. your morning listeners. Thank you. We were... We were, seen, we were put on pedestals, mm. and to be candid with you, it's what everybody sought. Mm. We all sought praise from this man, an urbane, fun, charismatic, E-type Jaguar driving, flat in London. We were all keen to um, receive praise from this man, and... You know, we fell into this enormous trap That's how it was
2: And as you grow older Tom and got some distance from those events, how did it affect your life?
10: Um, dramatically um, Dramatically uh, Gradually, you know, I mean I I became an absolute workaholic um, We all suffer um, addictions of various types um, some some of our number have ended up as heroin addicts. Um, I know somebody, two people who are now dead. Um, and we all end up with major issues that we have to address. And, um, you know, there comes a time when gradually you have to face these things. Um, and it happens to us at various different stages. Mine happened when my mother was imploding from Alzheimer's. Um, so, in other words, I no longer had to worry about the secret coming out. Um, my mother never knew that I was abused, and um, I'd also had children um, with my partner, and my son was getting to that age where, you know, we were considering school. There was an awful lot of stuff that was on the news about clerical abuse in in America, and I have to say, something went one night. It was an article that I read in a newspaper, in fact. And uh, the explosion happened and I went to see my um, doctor and that was in 2000 and I for the first time made a disclosure and that was 34 years after the abuse that I experienced as a 12 year old. And if I may just correct one thing, because it's terribly important, it may seem minor to you, your listeners, this is not historic abuse. That's a deeply, and you, you didn't mean it, and I quite accept that, this isn't historic. The sentencing is today. Mm. What's historic about that? And would Doreen Lawrence, mother of Stephen, describe her son's murder as historic? No, it's murder. I wish we'd get over this. Very pleasingly, Chief Constable of Thames Valley, no longer, the whole force doesn't describe it as historic abuse, so there we are.
2: I appreciate your correction, Tom. Thank okay. you. Pleasure. Uh- Mr. Wright was also, uh, I believe, having affairs with some of the mums. Oh,
10: Lord, yes. Uh, he, he was all over the place. Yes, he was, yes. And the mothers thought he was absolutely wonderful. Again, you know, the Urbane E-type Jag driving charmer, you know, Mr. Smoothie. And um, uh, there was a competition between him and another man that was at the school as to who could bed the most mothers. And I know... Absolutely. And also sisters of the boys who were at the school. Um, I know in court today will be a man whose um, sister was dating Wright. Um, Also in court today will be a man whose mother um, was bedded by Wright. He was bedding the mothers and abusing their sons. I mean, it is just, the whole thing is just surreal, to be candid with you. But that's just as things are.
2: This case has taken an incredibly long time to come to court, isn't it? Why is it so long?
10: Well, the case against Mr. Wright, I was the first pupil at Caldecott to speak, and the case against Mr. Wright um, was stayed in 2003. And a stay means that it was uh, was awarded on the basis of, just to get technical for a moment, the Selwyn Bell precedent, which says, as a result of the passage of time, the defendant cannot receive a fair trial, in brackets, never never mind about the victim's, close brackets. That dismisses and gets rid of a case. Mm. Now, Mr. Wright then never had to answer the question, and no criminal stay has ever been lifted, so I've not got justice. However, we then had a documentary, in, um, uh, created a documentary in 2008, and that won a BAFTA. Uh, it's called Chosen. It was about the architecture of institutional sexual abuse, and many more victims came forward, and more people named more perpetrators And so, finally, the dam started to break at Caldecott and it became a point in the end that so many more victims came forward against Mr. Wright that it was felt that no longer could all of the cases by then that had built up be held back any more. And so finally and at last, and very belatedly, Mr. Wright was recharged with new offences and all the other men um, who had uh, been exposed were also charged.
2: One of those other uh, men was uh, Hugh Henry, who's due to be sentenced today. He killed himself a couple of uh, days ago. Yes. What are your thoughts on that?
10: Well, I'm sorry for all the innocent victims uh, that uh, surround Mr Henry. In every child abuse incident, there is an immense personal car crash. And most of the victims of that car crash are innocents. And that includes members of Mr Henry's family. So I find that tragic, candidly. I'm very sorry for the boys who have complained against Mr. Henry, um, one of whom I, knew, I know flew in from Canada for the sentencing hearing and arrived only yesterday. Um, it's almost like trying to grasp a hologram, mm. and I think that's a tragedy. But there is one further comment that I'd like to make on it. Perpetrators are very controlling people, and Mr. Henry has displayed the ultimate control right at the very end of all this by denying his victims once more, and I find that tragic.
2: Tom uh, Roland Peter Wright is is going to be sentenced today. Will any sentence be good enough, in your opinion?
10: Well, this is going to sound most strange, because don't forget, it's not for me to say, because regrettably, my case was stayed. I now have to issue, and I did 10 days ago, issue civil proceedings against Mr. Wright. Mm. Um, The sentence is not the point. Not for me, anyway. Um, It will be to some, I'm sure. But, you know, we, we all have different views, and I can only give you mine. Um, I think I think from one respect it is important because it will send a very important message to those people who are abusing children today, okay? Um, uh, that is vital, that he gets a strong sentence because of the message it will send. So we will have to wait and see. I wouldn't be surprised if the judge takes full account of that, but what we must all realize is, is that... The law that applied in these schools and other institutional settings that applied when I was abused in 1967 hasn't changed. If I walk into a room as a member of staff in a regulated activity and I see a child being raped, I am under no obligation in law to report that to anybody. If I do, I'm a whistleblower by default. So that gets passed up to, let's just say, the headmaster of the school, who has statutory responsibility for safeguarding. In fact, the governor does, the chairman of the board of governors. They are under no compunction to report it. None whatsoever. So for me, personally, this has been about getting a change to the law so that finally and at last, a functioning child protection system grounded on decent law can finally be de- delivered in, within regulated activities in all schools. And um, uh, that's why I set up Mandate Now, which is a, a petition, and it is also a campaign, and we're engaged with government on this, to see a change to the law to make child protection within all regulated activities effective. Because at the moment, reporting child abuse, unbelievably, or suspected child abuse, is discretionary.
2: So you'd like to see it, Tom, if I've got this right, mandatory. If, if a teacher, for example, suspects another teacher of, of uh, abuse, they, they are legally obliged to report it.
10: Yes, because, you see, if you don't have that, there are all too many reasons not to report it. He's my friend. He's more senior than me. It's a hierarchical setting. What will the other people say to me? Will I be isolated within the school? Have I made a mistake? There are a million reasons for not reporting. There are no reasons to report. So you've got to put something in place to remove all that decision-making process. Mm. I must do it. If I don't, this happens. And that's what we need to have done.
2: Tom, you say you've got a campaign. If people want to find out more, where can they go?
10: Yes, if they go to, um, they just pop onto Twitter, at Mandate Now, all one word, or just put in Mandate Now, straight into Google, mm. and then they will see it all set out in very clear form. We've got a five-minute guide on mandatory reporting. We've got the current law. Um, and how children? Very simply, you place a child in a school today. No matter what the school tells you, it's not the school's fault. It is the le- it's a, it is the fault of the legislation. It is a hologram, and it delivers almost nothing.
2: Now, if you remember back to earlier in the week, and indeed earlier in this podcast as well, so that's two earlier backs you have to cast your mind back, are you following me?
1: Um, I could just put this with the other one, though.
2: I, no. Okay. So. On both, Jeopardy, you see, on, we have to go through a journey. On both instances of the, the podcast about 20 minutes ago and in the show a few days ago, I said I knew Tony Mortimer, we were very good friends, I would get him on the show. Neither of you believed it. Have a listen to this. To my production team next door, Catherine Boyle, and Kelly Betts. Oh right, yeah. Good morning to you both. Yeah. Good,
1: good morning. How are you, Kelly? I'm very, very well, thank you. Catherine, yourself? I'm excited.
2: You owe me, ladies.
1: What? This is my sexiest voice, by the way, that I'm putting on. What? It is.
2: You owe me, both of you.
1: Mm.
0: A
2: big apology. Where you go?
1: Well, hang on a minute. Let's Wait. just let's just have a little think about
0: this. Big apology. I'm. I'm d- you told us you knew Chaz and Dave.
2: Yeah we got Chaz and you know, on. Chaz
0: and Dave's step-son, nephew? son-in-law, yep. OK, then you told us... Who else does he say he knows? Oh, everyone. So when you said Tony Mortimer off of E17... Big friends. I
1: mean, it's reasonable that we would doubt you. Yeah. I'm willing to apologise. Away you go. Ian Lee. Yeah? I'm so very sorry. Catherine? You were right.
2: Apology, Catherine? Yeah. All right, let's... Uh, Tony Mortimer from E17's on the line. Morning, Tony. Good morning. He's kidnapped me. No. I'm at his house in a
11: cupboard. <laughs> I knew it!
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was in the pub. And then I got bundled into a van. Shut it, Mortimer. All right. Shut it. Now, listen, can you t- <laughs> t- tell my team, you and me, we go w- literally way back. Gears. You see? He's been tweeting you for ages,
0: hasn't
11: he? He has. He's, well, he's been stalking me, and <laughs> I've, I've notified the police three
2: times. And this was the, this was the deal we cut. Our lawyers <laughs> cut a deal. He'd come on the radio show if <laughs> I stopped hassling him
11: online. How are you doing, Tony? All oh, right. I'm doing well, yeah. Not too bad at all. What are you up to at the moment? Um, I've just done a, a little solo album where I'm doing a bit of chirping on it, called oh. uh, Songs from the Suitcase that I've kind of collected over the last few years. Yeah, uh, I'm, out, I'm out doing that at the moment, doing the rounds. Are you doing some gigs and stuff? Yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to speak to some promoters, and um, I've just signed a, a record deal for four albums and stuff. Hey, so. blimey.
2: Yeah cuz you have listen I I I I remember interviewing you a few years ago and was telling you you're a cracking songwriter and you kind of played it down a little bit going well I don't know I don't but you've written some pop classics Oh thank you well
11: I think I'm just I've I've been writing songs since I was a, like you know 14 and it's kind of what I do. But then I know what I'm like and I know that sometimes I write
2: absolute stinkers. Yeah. And uh, Yeah, of course. <laughs> but listen, stay another day, right? Yeah. Even if you never wrote another song, even yeah. if you never never wrote another song, right? Yeah. You uh, you've written a pop classic. Thank you. And you've written more than one pop classic.
9: Oh.
12: So
2: what have you been do- what have you been doing for the last few years? Well, since the band, I guess uh,
11: raising a family, all that all that happens in your life. Yeah. Um, How old are your kids? Uh, uh, oh gosh, 18 and 20. What? Yeah. What? 18 and 20. I had them when I was free.
2: What? <laughs> I was going to say what? They are 18 months. 18 and 20 years old. Yeah,
11: yeah. He's a man. Community.
2: You're a proper grown-up now, Tony. That's oh. official. It's nice just a matter of time before I'm a granddad, isn't it? You're old really? enough
1: to be my dad.
2: <laughs> oh my, God, Kelly. Uh... Can, I, can I be honest? Could you stop flirting with him? Because this is really uncomfortable. I
1: can't help. Have... <laughs> Tony, I have a very important question for you. Okay. It's from my cousin Christine, who is a huge fan of yours. Hi, Christine. Are you still fit?
11: <laughs> <laughs> well, as you get older, you become more fat.
1: <laughs> go... So no. <laughs>
11: But I, st- I still train and
2: stuff, so yeah. my heart and lungs are healthy. That's yeah, he's thing. buff. He's buff is what he's saying. Because <laughs> I saw you uh, very kindly invited me to come and see e 17 a couple of years ago without Brian Harvey. You still not yeah. talking
11: to him? Oh, no, no, it's not, we're not talking to him. Come it.
2: on, you had a big falling out, you didn't get on with him, he was a Muppet, and you sacked him and you got someone in. Is
11: that what happened? <laughs> that was all a long time ago. That was oh. like five years in, in, in the space of three seconds, you just said that. Oh, OK. <laughs> Um, so I haven't spoken. to him. We tweeted each other a little while. Uh, last year, well, yeah. a lot happened last year. It's only just started a new one, is not it? Yeah. Um, so we tweeted each other, and yeah, things are cool. There's no hard feeling. Okay.
2: Is there any chance you lot getting back and doing something? I don't know. I mean, I don't know where
11: Brian's, Brian's at or yeah. anything like that, really, to be honest. So I don't know. Maybe in the future. See where he's, where he's at, where his head's at, what he's doing.
2: Tony, stay there. Justin Dealey does a music show on Saturday mornings. Yeah. Morning, Justin. Morning, guys. Yeah, we morning, got, we got Tony. We've got Tony on.
12: Oh, the legend that is. Fantastic. <laughs> legend. Uh, yeah, you are a legend, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, this morning, I have been out onto the streets of Beds, Hearts and Bucks, yep. and Lovely. I have been talking E17. This is a reporter's dream. Yep. <laughs> Tony, people love you. Take a listen to this. Here we are, Lee. You are listening to the Ian Lee Breakfast Show. Tony Morsamer from e 17s coming on. You were a massive fan of E17, weren't you? I was, yeah. Um, I enjoyed their Christmas number one, Stay Another Day. Yeah, yeah that was wicked. Stay yeah. now, stay now, <laughs> stay another day. <laughs> what on earth was that, Lee? <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> it's a bit oily. <laughs> with, with this hat you're wearing today, you almost look a bit like Brian Harvey. Get out. You're still living the dream, aren't you?
8: <laughs> no.
12: <laughs> <laughs> morning, sir. What's your name? I'm your friend. What are you doing at 8.30 this morning? Oh, I'm going to work. Oh. Tony Morsimer from E17 is going to be live on the show. Yeah, but uh, I'm not really familiar with this name. I'm sorry. No, uh, E17? They were huge back in the 1990s. Where were you back in the 1990s? No, oh, back home in the Philippines. So E17 weren't very big in the Philippines? No. Here's somebody else. Your friend tells me that you were a huge E17 fan. Is that true? Massive, mate. What, what did you love about E17 so much? The white suits the lot. Joy, E17, you have a local connection. Tell us more about your local connection.
6: Um, I used to go to college with one of the brothers. Um, I can't remember what his name is. I think it was John Hendy's brother. We used to do music technology together back at um, Oakland's college. Yeah, it was pretty cool, and he's a good guy. He was really nice to me and everything, so, yeah.
12: So you had a connection to their music? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I liked e 17 when I was growing up, so... What was your favourite e 17 track? the
6: one they did with Gabrielle. Um, And if you ever... Fall in love again I will be sure that the lady is a friend yeah that was wow amazing. that was
12: incredible <laughs> Lisa we are rolling back the years today Tony Morsimer from E 17 live on the show okay. E 17 your memories
6: um, they were a really brilliant band um, they sang really really well and Brian Harvey was my favorite so
12: can you find Brian Harvey sexy
6: Yeah definitely <laughs>
12: what was it about Brian Harvey?
2: Everything, <laughs> everything. Just lovely man, just general nice guy.
12: What about Tony Mortimer? Tony's going to be on the show. Do you want to say hi to Tony right now? Hello, Tony,
2: and you are a brilliant songwriter, and I think you're amazing. You now listen, that girl singing Tony, she wasn't bad, was she? She weren't bad at all, actually. You want to? We'll get we'll get her did, number did to you. you get her number? I was going
11: to say that's amazing. You went to all that trouble. That's fantastic.
2: I'm a great interviewer. I've. I'm a great interviewer. I've, I've won injury. awards for it. Catherine is an excellent journalist. Fact. Turns out our children have learnt a few things from us. Maybe it's passed down through the DNA, in the genetics, who knows. Andy from CBeebies came on. We let our kids interview him. Watch out, Paxman. Or Dimbleby. Or Norton. Andy Day from CBeebies. Good morning! Good morning, sir. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Are you causing trouble for my team? What's going on, mate? Yeah. (laughs) What's going on? Of course I'm not. Of course I'm not. Now, listen, we just had Tony Mortimer on from E17. If I'm honest, the nicest bloke in the world. It was such a good interview, Andy. we, We considered for a second sacking you off.
3: No way! Don't say that because you were late as well. I was thinking, you know, I was right by the phone, quarter two. I think, oh no, he's not going to call. He
0: was What's sucking, He was sucking right up
2: to Tony Morrison. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't sucking up. He's a good mate of mine, and yeah. Andy's a good mate of mine as well.
0: You've been tweeting him. That doesn't count. We as a are mate. good
2: mates. We are good mates. <laughs> we go even... way back. Yeah, yeah. You see, now, Andy, listen. For those who don't know, uh, if if you've not got a kid who's um, under five years old, you'll have no idea who this gentleman is, which is a shame. You should do because you're brilliant. Uh, you're one of the CBBC. <clears throat> presenters you're the tall fellow with the big bushy hair you um you're, i mean re- like really tall it's been ridiculously tall what's going on That's there almost as tall as you you're taller than me man no we're the same height well your height adds an extra your hair adds an extra 6 inches my hair my hair's bigger than yours it's very very bushy uh, but we, but you we think you're brilliant in our house i've got two young lads oh, four and two you. catherine you've got girls two what a girls what are girls five. what do girls think of andy they
0: think you're my mate I told him I'd phoned you up a couple of times through work, you know. <laughs> uh, but they assume that we're now friends. So now, whenever you come on, says, "Oh, look, there's your friend, Andy, mummy."
2: Now look, we know oh, you're, you're doing a lovely, show. Andy. You're doing a show in Dunstable um, soon. I will let you and, plug and Radley. I Radley. All right, right, calm down, calm down. I will no. I will let him plug it if this interview, if he answers the questions well enough. Now, okay. What am I going to ask a guy from CBBS? I don't know, not a lot. But my four-year-old. <laughs> Uh, and Catherine, which, which both, both two, of your the two girls? And the
0: five-year-old.
2: They have they have set the questions. Oh, okay. So here comes question number one. This is from my four-year-old boy. Have a listen. How do you get out of your building thing? So Andy, how do you get out of your building thing? OK. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, standard CBB's magic,
3: really. Oh. Um, you know, a click of the fingers, uh, a few magic words, and then I'm out. OK. And uh, it, it, it involves a lot of running around and getting from place to place in a matter of seconds.
2: OK. Um, yeah, it's difficult. So there's it's there's difficult. a lot of magic involved. Good, good, good answer. Good answer. Good. Which one of yours shall I go for, uh, Catherine?
0: Um, if you do the... Uh Father Christmas, one. That's my five-year-old.
2: Okay, let's have this. Is Catherine's five-year-old?
0: Hello, Andy. Do
1: you know Father Christmas?
2: Oh, good question. Well, do you? Oh, <laughs>
3: it's a good one. Uh, yes. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. He comes every year to the CBB's house and we always know about it. Um, he's he's good friends with us. Uh yeah, at CBB's. Can I he hear I, can I hear Andy
2: it. typing an email to his agent saying, <laughs> "What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Get me out of here. Quick quick someone make a phone call. <laughs> what's the Listen, what's that Alex like? I'm am suspicious oh, of he's Alex. He's a troublemaker. Yeah, a I'm troublemaker. suspicious of him.
3: Yeah, he's a troublemaker. He's he's uh you know, he's he's short. What can I say? He shot me half, <laughs> he's
2: half the size of me. <laughs> um, you could put him in your pocket.
3: <laughs> Literally. He, it- I mean, he had the idea for Grandpa in My Pocket. He was going to call it Alex in My Pocket.
2: Oh, by the um, way, the, the new Grandpa in oh, My Pocket. Yeah. Oh, what have they... I know you can't comment, but but Catherine and I, what have they done to the new Grandpa in My Pocket? Oh no! Why did, did you not like it? I, it all seems a bit green screened, and I'm not so keen on those two two young kids that are in it. I don't think they're as good as the original fella. I know he's grown well, up. It's a it's it too big now. It's always
3: like a, a sequel to something. It's yep. always hard to to bear, isn't it? So, um, so it takes a little bit of getting used to. But I think I think you're you're to it. Okay. I think you yeah. know.
2: I tell you a program we do like your program where you and Kip where you go off around the world. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's good fun. It's brilliant. Yeah. it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's, like, it's a natural history kind of thing where you get to go and look at weird animals. But
0: you were a frog yesterday, so you were covered in it. <laughs>
9: <laughs> we uh, looked
2: one.
9: With it a uh,
3: poison dart frog, was it?
0: <laughs> no, the big uh, African bullfrog. So you were up to your oh, knees the big
3: African bullfrog. Swim. Oh, OK. Well, you know that there's... Uh, in fact, in two weeks' time, there's another plug, uh, Andy's Dinosaur Adventures. What? Whoa. Yeah. Really? So uh, oh, if no. you like... If you like um, animals, you're going to love the dinosaurs because, um, yeah, I go back in time. I've got a grandfather clock takes me back in time. I work at a museum
2: oh, now. Mate. You're
0: toying and, uh, with my dreams, Andy.
2: No, honestly. Oh, the I'm boys, there. the boys are going to love this. And the thing about CBeebies I like. Serious for a second, all right? We're very, very careful. and I'm sure you're the same, Catherine. We're very careful at what we let the kids watch. We don't let them watch CITV. We don't let them watch any. It's CBeebies because. They'll have a laugh. You feel safe. You feel safe. You'll have a laugh with things like Grandpa in My Pocket. And uh, then you've got Old Jack's Boat. But you've also got the stuff like your programmes, like Nina and the Neurons, uh, like um, I Can Cook, where it's entertaining, but they're actually learning something.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you find that um, most of the comments you get from parents, actually, is that, you know, you feel very, very safe. Uh, to To put your kids in front of the the t v because you know that the the content is going to be is going to be uh, educational and it 's going to be it 's going to be fun as well for the for the kid and i think a lot of the parents i mean you guys could comment on this a lot of the parents like watching it as well it kind of um it's, it's
2: quite entertaining yeah. for you guys. Oh, is it, I, I, yes! I, you could be sat in front of worse stuff with the kids. We got time for two more quick questions from the kids, Catherine. Which one of yours would you like?
0: Numbers. That's uh, my two-year-old. Uh,
2: okay, this is this is uh, from Catherine's two-year-old.
0: My favourite mm-hmm. number is two. What's yours?
2: What's your favourite number, Andy? My favourite number is fifteen. It's my lucky number. Good right. answer. <laughs> I'm not sure what this one is. This is from my boy. Hang on.
1: How do you get in the other program, Andy?
2: Oh, you kind of answered this. How do you get into the other programmes? Like I said,
3: a lot of magic. A lot of CBeebies magic.
0: He's very interested in access, uh, is And
3: Alex and Kerry and, and uh, Katie and sometimes myself link me into it. Oh, uh, yes.
2: Uh, <laughs> well, let, let, I'm going squeeze in one more question from my boy. Hang on a second.
5: Andy, do you have any
1: doors in your house and any windows?
2: He was eating celery. Uh, he was eating uh, cucumber at the time. But, do, <laughs> okay. Andy, do you have any doors and windows in your house? Yes, I do. Uh, well, I actually live... uh, uh are you talking about the B's house? Wh- the
3: where you house? live,
2: yes. B's house,
3: yes. The, uh, there are doors and windows. There's a nice big window. Uh, We can see out. Sometimes it changes from uh, a Christmas scene to uh, a summery scene. Uh, In fact, next week is a dinosaur scene. Fantastic. So uh, we see
2: quite a lot through that window. Last question from the kids.
1: How did you get to be so famous?
2: (laughs) (laughs) And it must be, because to these kids, okay, you are
3: a huge star, aren't you? (laughs) <laughs> well, it, it's it's um it's the first thing that they watch really because they're kids they're watching children's TV so I suppose we're the we're the first uh, we're the first people that they they watch and learn from. And
2: I've been to um, one of your live shows before, and we had to the, the boy was a little bit too young for that one, and we had to leave because he got quite upset. But yeah. not your fault. It was, we took him too young. But you, they scream at you like pop stars.
3: <laughs> it's... <laughs> They go mad oh, it's very sweet. I
2: always do the same outro, why don't you, you know, just...
1: You know what you always say? That's it. That's it, that's, it. that's your lot, ta-ta, thanks for downloading, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk, that's where you can email me, I'm enjoying the week, <laughs> I'm enjoying, <clears throat> sorry speak, I'm enjoying the week, <sighs> 6 till 9, I'll do some sort of a show.
2: <clears throat> You're fired. <laughs>